Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Wow, what a morning it's been. It's exciting. There's just something about seeing our next generation passionate about God and about the things of God uh, to help us know. And I'm glad that we're here today. You've come on an incredible Sunday. And we're in a series of messages entitled History. And this uh, Sunday, this whole service has everything to do with right where we are in God's word. It's amazing. But I want to reflect back because this weekend has been significant for me and and my wife Mandy uh, because 10 years ago, this month, the month of April, 10 years ago, I received a phone call that changed my life forever. It changed my calling. I believe it changed the direction of my ministry career and path. See, at that time, I was a junior at uh, Valley Forge Christian College, now the University of Valley Forge. And um, I was sitting in my room. I had just finished a class. I was doing some work, and I didn't have a class till that evening. So I decided to do what so many college students enjoy doing, taking a nap. Come on, somebody. I love that. Uh, I had to take me a nap. So I, I, I already I, I took a nap. I was an RA at the time, so I had some responsibilities in the school over my floor. And that day, that afternoon, I received a phone call. When I looked at the caller ID, it was a 908 area code. It was a, it was a New Jersey number. The only, uh, the only New Jersey numbers I recognized at that time was my girlfriend at the time, a girl named Mandy Davidson, who I was dating, uh, and, uh, and then some, some students from the school that lived upstairs that would always call me when they got locked out of their room and they needed me to come let them in. I figured it was them since Mandy was on my caller ID, and so I ignored it, as I normally would, right? Uh, and I went to bed. Got a voicemail. When I woke up, I checked that voicemail, and those words are what I still remember today. Hi, Chris. This is Pastor Kevin Brennan from Evangel Church. I need to talk to you about something very urgent and an opportunity. Here's, um, if anyone know Pastor Brennan, some of you know him. Uh, he was here. He's the senior pastor here for 20 years. Um, yeah, come on. Now, if you know Pastor Brennan, though, um, you know how strange the next line was. Here's the the church number. He gave me the church number. Here's my personal cell phone number. Here's my home phone number. (laughs) Three phone numbers I remember on that voicemail. Please call me back when you get a chance. So I call him back right away. The only time I'd ever met uh, Pastor Brennan was from afar. I was sitting right over here about five rows back on a Sunday when I came to visit my girlfriend. That's the only time I ever stepped foot in the state of New Jersey was to come visit her and her family and be with them for one Sunday as they worshiped here at Evangel. So I had no idea what Pastor Brennan would be doing calling me. So I called him back, I got through to him, and he said, Chris, I understand that you're dating Mandy, and you have been dating for some time, and I wanted to tell you about the season that we're entering into as a church. Um, I want to see us begin a new young adults ministry, a way to reach the next generation, and I wanted to know if you would pray about and consider you and Mandy heading up that ministry. And the thing that amazed me, number one, was that that was something that God was already privately speaking to me about, was shift this shift in my heart to really begin to pray about what it meant to reach that, that generation of young adults. But more importantly, that a man I had never met before, a leader of an incredible church, would call me without ever even meeting me yet face-to-face and say, would you be willing to pray about you being the leader of that with Mandy? And, and I, was, I was so taken aback by that, about the faith and, and about the journey that he had. That call, church, changed my life. I could tell you certainly today, I had no idea what God was doing and what God had in store. And as I came here, I, I, on, on September 23rd of 2007, we launched the Well Young Adults Ministry. And God did an amazing work in my heart, in my life, in my marriage. I was, I was married here in this church, and I walked through that season. I've just been running ever since. 
and on Friday night to stand in this same building and to celebrate as God is now ushering in a new season of student ministries here. Uh, truly the next level, going to take us to the next level in our students, in our next generation. I filled Mandy in my heart with such joy to see 10 years later how God is working and how God has a new season to reach a brand new generation. Um, man, it fills my heart with joy. I hope it fills your heart with joy, church, to know that God's working in every generation. He has a plan for every generation. And I think back on that because I just think about the faith and the journey that you and I are called to run. Um, the word that's used in the Bible a lot is that it's, it's likened to, f to a race, uh, the race of faith. That we're called to run this race that's been marked out for you and I. And the Bible gives us a lot of ways that we're called to run that race. I want to point us for just a moment as we get into God's word today to one passage in particular. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Take a look here on the screen at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It said, don't you know that in a race all runners run? but only one gets a prize. So run in such a way to get the prize. He goes on to say, Paul, in, in verse 26, he said, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. You know, you and I are called to a race, but we're not called to just run. We're called to win. We have victory because of Jesus and what he's done for us, but we're not called just to run. We're called to run in such a way that we're going to win. And that requires strategy. That requires us understanding a few things. The first thing you need to understand if you're going to run a race and you're going to win, the first question you should ask yourself, what kind of race am I running? Is it a sprint? Is it a 5K? Yesterday, one of my, my great friends, one of my best friends that I grew up with, he put a medal, a picture of him holding a medal for a 10K up, and he posted how he had just completed a 10K. Now, I don't know because it was April Fool's Day if he was kidding uh, or he was telling the truth. I think he was telling the truth. But is it, is it a 10K? Because I want to tell you, you run differently if it's a sprint or it's a 10K. You run differently if it's a 400 meter or it's a marathon. You're going to run different. You're going to condition different. You're going to prepare yourself differently. If it's hurdles, it's a whole different race. You can't win in hurdles the same way you'd run in just a sprint. You get what I'm saying, church? So we must understand what kind of race are we running? And as I look at God's word, I am convinced that God shows us what kind of race it really is. And he shows it to us by a name that he gives himself. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, when God's talking to Moses. Here's what he says to Moses. When Moses wants to know who he is and as he's drawing near to him, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This was a God of three generations. This is what God was saying. I'm the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the God of generations. You know what God's showing us in his name and in his revelation of his word? That the race we are called to run is a relay race, church. It is a relay race. This is a baton. What it means is that a relay race is not just determined on one runner during one season and one sprint. It is that person running, but as they come to the end of their journey, they're passing forward the baton. It's being received by the next, and they're running forward. I want you to know that since the beginning of time, this has been the race that God has for his people. It's one where the faith the baton of faith is being handed over from one generation to another that the next generation can go further, someone say further, than any other generation before them. It's a relay race. And it's a race that you and I are called to run. It's a race that we see. That's why it's so important. They says, be ready to go in how the next generation matters in that race. Because I want to tell you, we can have an incredible leg to this race. But in a relay race, you haven't won till the last one crosses the line with a baton of faith in their hands. 
secure in their hand. And that's our charge. And that's the charge that God gives to every generation that they're going to run well. They're going to run in such a way that they're going to win. And I want you to know, if we're going to win the relay race, there are certain places in every race that it's won and it's decided. And I want you to know that when it comes to a relay race, Yes, it's important how fast each athlete runs and how they condition themselves, but it is won and lost in the passing zone. The passing zone is this 20-meter stretch that's there in any relay race, and it's in that passing zone that the runner coming up is handing off to the next runner that's going forward, and it's in the passing zone that ultimately the relay race is won or lost. But I want to tell you that we're going to look into this today, and we're going to understand how we can succeed in the passing zone from one generation to another to help them go further. You see, like, just like I said to you that it's won or lost in the passing zone, we have a great example of that. In 2011, we had uh, some of the greatest athletes to ever run, some of the fastest men to ever, ever bear um, that title and that opportunity for the United States. In fact, they should have won a race in 2011. Notice how I said should have. One of the athletes who's running is Tyson Gay, and if you don't know him, uh, he's a decorated Olympic athlete. He's one of the fastest men in the world. In fact, he was looking forward at this time to squaring off against a man named Usain Bolt, who really many know as the fastest man uh, in the world. And he was one of the sprinters, but he's also one of those that ran on our relay team for the Olympics, a four by 100 meter relay. And as he was preparing in 2011, and as they began to run, something happened. I want us to take a look here at this footage of what took place in this. This is 2011 as the U.S. team is running, and Tyson Gay is running at a a critical stretch, so he's actually waiting to receive the baton. But look how the U.S., they jump out in front. He's getting ready. Tyson Gay is ready to receive the baton. He's ready to get going. Look, he's out ahead of everyone. But what happened? He's slowing down. He's stopping. He's not still running. He's not crossing the finish line. What happened? Let's go back and look at what happened. As he's coming around that bend, as the runner before him is reaching out, and as he accelerates ahead, there's one thing that he left behind, the baton. And as that baton fell, that spelled the end. They weren't able to run in such a way that they could win. See, I want you to know something, how precious this thing is in a relay race. It's precious for us. Because if we run through our race, we could run as fast as we want. We could be as gifted as we want. We could see as much happen in our generation. It could be so exciting. But it doesn't matter in the end if we drop the baton. And it's not passed on to the next generation. You want to see this in God's Word? We've been reading about it. If you look at the end of the book of Genesis, we see a generation that God raises up literally out of a pit, and Joseph became the leader of his generation. He was a man full of faith. He was a man that saw God move in power. He was elevated to the highest places that anyone could be elevated in the whole known world. But it's there in that place that he was carrying the baton of faith. So much that the Pharaoh, the king of the known world at that time, he said, I've never seen such a man in whom is the Spirit of God. He didn't just know him, he knew his faith. He knew the one that he walked with. He knew the one whom he followed. That generation knew and they experienced the blessing of God. But the blessing of God for them was a place that they got very comfortable in. Because we see that although we see Joseph, he keeps looking forward. He said, carry my bones forward. Like, carry, keep going. God's bringing us to the promised land. Don't get comfortable in Egypt. They didn't heed his warning. They got comfortable in Egypt, 400 years, several generations. They came and they went. They enjoyed different levels of comfort, but they forgot something in the meantime. They weren't passing on the baton of faith. And as it went forward, the Bible says, by the time we get to the book of Exodus, there's a new generation. 
And this new generation has a new pharaoh, a new leader. He doesn't know Joseph or the God who Joseph served. The baton of faith had been dropped. And the complacency of one generation, just one generation, made way for the captivity of the next. The complacency and the comfort of one generation, the missing it, the missing it, led to that for the next. And this isn't an isolated incident in God's word. In fact, if we fast forward into the book of Judges, this is after Moses' generation. This is after Joshua's generation. This is after they get into the promised land and the place where they can be comfortable and flourish, that in their comfort they took their eyes again off the Lord. Look what it says here in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. I believe it's one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. It says, In all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. This is the baton of faith, knowing the Lord and who he is and what he has done. It's not just knowing Jesus as Lord, but it's knowing the story of faith that's being passed on from one generation to the next. And there's a whole generation that came up that missed it. They didn't receive that. And this is what it led to. By the time we get to Judges chapter 17, verse 6, it gives a, a, just a, a state of what it looked like there in the world. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It led to this place where there was no direction, there was no compass. They were wandering aimlessly. You see, that's the problem we're seeing in this generation. If we don't get this right, church, we are crossing into the passing zone. Every time as we're living, our life is really a giant passing zone where we're receiving and we're handing forward the baton of faith. And if we miss it, there's a generation at stake, church. There's a generation that could rise and fall. We're one generation away, church. I see all the statistics. I see all the things that talk about, and we're going to talk about that today. But I want you to know we're one generation away from revival. We're one generation away from this world being lit up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're one generation away from rising or falling. But it matters. What's going to happen in the passing zone makes all the difference. And so today I want us to walk through this message. I entitled it The Passing Zone. And I want us to go to God's word today because God, in his infinite wisdom, not in mine, I wish it was in mine, I wish I could have planned it this well, but that's how I know it's the Lord. That as we came to this Sunday and I said, you know what, it'd be great to have a, a Sunday that's a student takeover Sunday on April 2nd. And quite honestly, the reason was, church, because I didn't know what I was going to preach out of, out of this section of scripture. I said, it's his story, it's history. I'm not sure, you know, I, nothing was standing out to me. Nothing was sticking out. So I just marked that as a blank space when I was planning this series. And then I thought, wow, the, the student ministries are re relaunching on the 31st. So on the 2nd, let's just, we'll have them take over the service. So I was, uh, was talking with, with Paul and with the leaders, and I began to pray. Come on, we're excited about that takeover. You want to clap? On. And I met and I talked about it. I talked about the vision of the student ministries, which you're going to get a chance to hear about today. You're seeing it lived out. And as we sat and I talked, I talked to Paul, our student ministries director, and said, let's do this service. And he said, okay, what will the message be about? I said, um, we can go from a lot of passages. And I'm going back and forth. I said, but let's just open up to the reading we're going to be reading this week because that's where the message normally comes from. I didn't see anything before we came to this determination, but let's take a look now. Got two chapters in, church. God dropped it right in our lap. Right here, right where we've been reading. God doesn't show us the bad examples. He's showing us in his word, how we can succeed in the passing zone. And I just will know that this is a word in season for us today. 
It's a word that comes right from where we've been reading and the journey that we've been on. God is showing us not just the bad examples of what happens when the baton gets dropped, but he shows the power of what happens when one generation recognizes a season that they're in and they pass the baton of faith forward. That's what we're going to do, church, and that's what we're going to learn together in God's word. So would you turn with me to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27, and I have to admit today, I can't preach this message alone. Um, in fact, I want, I want to invite someone else to come and be a part of preaching this message to you. So would you join me in welcoming our student ministries director, Paul Croswell. He's going to come. He's going to help me preach this message today. So thankful, Paul. And Paul, this message is a message that we can preach today because it's a message that we have lived, church. You preach the best messages when you live them, and it's a message that we've lived out together. So if you're in Numbers chapter 27... Would you open up there with me? And let's read God's word. You see, as we come to Numbers 27, Moses has already been told in the book of Numbers that his leg of the journey is coming to a close. He's not going to enter into the promised land. He's going to just be responsible for what happens in the wilderness. He's not going to cross over. He will only be able to see it from a distance. And as Moses recognizes that his leg of the journey is coming to a close, He's burdened in his heart by something. And that's, that's what brings us to this moment in prayer before the Lord. Here's what he says. Moses spoke to the Lord saying this, let the Lord, the God of all the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them, who will come in before them, who will lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep that have no shepherd. You see, that's what's so important. That's what burdens the heart of people. And Paul, wow. I'm so thankful that our next generation doesn't have, uh, or they're not like sheep without a shepherd, and that you're able yeah. to be a part of leading that generation. Why don't you talk to us some more about that phrase? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Good morning, church. <laughs> see, I, this passage is so profound. If we take, let's just take a look at that last, that last phrase one more time. That the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. See, I think Moses realized something in this passage, that Moses realized something in this moment. He realized what happens when the people of God are without a leader, a leader who's, who's in relationship with God, how they become disconnected from God. I mean, on multiple occasions, they wanted to go back to Egypt where they were harassed and helpless. And this isn't just the... the just an idea that, that Moses see in his generation, but it's the human condition, isn't it? We see it from generation to generation. If we look forward just a little bit in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 9, this is what it says. It says, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And those words, harassed and helpless, if you're reading in a different translation, it might say something a little bit different. It might say something like this, distressed or dispirited, right? Uh, confused and aimless, a weary and scattered. And these are some strong words, aren't they? I don't think anyone wakes up and goes, you know, today I feel distressed and dispirited. Hashtag goals. I don't think anyone wants to be identified with these words. I don't think anyone wants to be identified by these words. But if you can just think with me, whenever you were trying to figure out, if you're here and you're a believer, just think back to when you were trying to figure life out without God. 
what it was like trying to figure marriage out without God or raising children without God or navigating a career or, or any a relationship without God. These words become very descriptive of that season, doesn't it? It becomes very descriptive of what that's like trying to navigate life without the, the joy and the peace and the hope that God's bring to that. When you get to that place of feeling like life is getting the better of you and you have no idea what to do about it. And this, this isn't something, again, where it's just in Jesus' generation or Moses' generation. This is today. This is the issue of a generation that is leaving the church. We have a generation where there is a mass millennial exodus taking place. One, one uh, study for, by the Barna Group says that 59% of millennials, 59% of millennials who grew up in the church are leaving the church. And another study by uh, Pew Research says that 27%, only 27% say that they actually attend a service weekly anywhere. Yet that same group, that same group of millennials, they believe in God, they believe in heaven, and they believe in hell just as much as any other generation before them. So here we have a generation that believes in God and wants to walk with God just as much as any other generation, but they're leaving his church. And see, this is something that burdened my heart. This is something that, 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 was, that bothered me because I experienced this firsthand. I grew up in church. I, I was heavily involved in youth group. And this morning, I intended to share my story with you, but I got a text this morning by one of my friends. I was just, as we were preparing and, and trying to figure out, God, you know, how can we share this? One of my friends who I went to youth group with, grew up with, still a very close friend, who left the church and further on left the faith, texted me this morning. And this is what he said. He said, I, I was up at 4 a.m., and I was just on social media, and I came across a video that you and others have been sharing about the young adult ministry at Evangel Church. And I'm an atheist now, and I'll probably continue to be one, but I can't help but wonder what my life would be like had I received what you guys are doing as opposed to what I got at the church I was grow up, growing up in. And I mean, that is just God. He has no idea that this, this weekend is this, this student takeover, that I'll be here this weekend sharing. He had no idea. But there, see, when we look at this passage in Matthew, it says Jesus had compassion for them. And what we learn from this church is that Jesus was not burdened by the generation. He didn't look out and see a generation that needed to be fixed or just see. He was burdened for the generation. He looked out at the generation and he saw people he saw people that needed to be loved, a generation like the one lost sheep that needed to be sought after. And this is why we've made it the vision and the heart of the student ministries here at Evangel to help the next generation love the church instead of leave the church. This is a burden on our hearts. This is our prayer. And my prayer, church, my prayer is that you will join me in carrying this burden, that this will not be a burden that, that we carry just in this one ministry alone, but church, this will be our burden. Because Jesus was burdened by, for the generation, not by them. And here's what I've learned. When you're burdened for someone, you draw them close. But when you're burdened by someone, you push them away. And so I believe that God wants us to be burdened for this generation. And Pastor Chris, I think this passage gives us a little more insight mm. into this. Isn't that incredible, church? 
Paul had tears in my eyes as he's reading me that text message from his friend. And we were talking about those very friends this week as we're praying about this message. And he said, yes, so many of my friends, they've left the church and they've left the faith. For one of them to reach out this morning, 4 a.m. this morning, church, to say that to him, it's incredible. It's amazing to see what yeah. God's doing. I want us just to, to look back here at, at Numbers chapter 27, verses 15 and 16 again, because we got to see that Moses is carrying this burden for his people. I love what Paul said there, that it's not whenever we're burdened by someone, we push them away. When we're burdened for them, we draw them close and draw close to them. Jesus carried a burden for people. That's why those that became a burden to the people in Jesus' day, they were pushed to the fringes of society. But Jesus was burdened for them, so he was always there with them, right? Mm. And they're always questioning, Amen. why are you there? Because he's burdened for them, not by them. Amen. And that's what has to happen for our generation, for the next generation. Moses carried that very burden for the people. He said, let the Lord appoint a man over this people that will lead them. It's a sign of a good leader, church, that they could recognize where they are in their journey. And they could be looking ahead to the next generation, that the baton of faith will not be dropped, but it will be handed forward. You see, we had an incredible pastor, and Pastor Brennan, who walked us through an incredibly, uh, at the beginning, challenging season of ministry here at Evangel Church and brought us into a season where I believe we began to see the power of God and the promises of God becoming a reality. But he recognized that he was here for just a season. By 2010, he recognized that his leg was coming to a close. He was entering into the passing zone. He gave that a two-year period of time from the time he recognized it to the time that he would be transitioning. And so the church began to search. They began to look far and wide for who the next leader would be, who the next pastor would be. And as Pastor Brennan was, uh, was continuing to lead and as he was running uh, his race and his journey, he noticed that about nine months were left and no one had been identified yet. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to look, we, we got to look then internally for someone to handle this baton for a season as the interim pastor. So I'll run alongside of them, then I'll hand the baton to them for a season, and then they can hand it to the person that God will ultimately raise up to lead the house. And so Pastor Brennan began to look around, he began to pray, and he had a crazy idea. He said, I think it, it might be Chris that we should pour into and raise up. And I thought, I thought it was crazier than anyone else did. And, uh, and I'm telling you, I was, uh, I was taken aback and over, overwhelmed, as was my wife. And we began to pray, but there was one thing that I remember was said to me as I was praying and as I was considering that opportunity to become the interim senior pastor for a season if we hadn't found one during that time. Pastor Brennan said, for nine months, I'll run alongside of you. For nine months, I'll run alongside of you and I'll hand off anything that I have, everything that I've learned, I'll, I'll pass on to you. And in that, and as we sought the Lord, the Lord made it clear that, that it's something that I would run into. And so we began a journey for nine months, starting in the fall of 2011 until the middle of 2012, running together. And he was handing off to me, teaching me about message preparation, uh, learning about the ministry, learning things that although I had been on staff for years, I had never really known or understood. It's because he allowed me to come close enough to really learn, see his heart, see the things not just he did in front of the church, but the things he did in private to honor the Lord with his life. Those are the things I learned, and they helped me grow um, as I was going. One of the things that I recognize here is God's incredible sense of humor. God has a, a sense of humor, I believe, because when we're looking wide and far, God often says the person you're looking for is closer than you think. And so Pastor Brandon, hey, look far and wide. Look out there. Where's the person? Closer than we think. And as I was then going through this season where I'm running and I'm learning, I'm getting ready to hand, be handed a baton that I needed to be looking as well. I had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. Because one day as I'm in the midst of that, about a month into walking with Pastor Brennan, 
my assistant tells me that there's a young adult from the young adults ministry that wanted to schedule some time to talk to me. And so I said, okay. And as I sat down in my office that day, a young adult by the name of Paul Croswell came walking into my office. <laughs> uh, Paul, you remember that, right? Oh, you I, came walking in the fall. I can go back to my calendar and see the date. And you walked into my office and, and you sat with me and you asked me a question. You remember what that is? Oh, absolutely. I, I asked you if you'd walk with me, if you'd mentor me. Uh, as I began my journey in ministry, I felt called to ministry and I just begun attending the well and I saw you and God just put on my heart that to ask you, you know. And I remember. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened. So he asked me this question. I'm thinking, what, what do I have to offer him? Um, I didn't feel like I had much to offer, but then I remembered something. Pastor Brennan promised he'd be pouring into me. And all the things I was already starting to learn and grow, and I thought were good. So do you remember what I said to you? I said, well, Pastor Brennan just agreed to kind of mentor me for this season. So whatever he gives me, I'll give you. <laughs> so that's what we decided. Like, Pastor Brennan would be telling me things on Mondays and Tuesdays, and I'd be chewing on them for a couple of days, and I'd be sitting down with Paul over lunch and say, okay, so this is the way we do this, and this is how that works. <laughs> and I was just regurgitating it. And but that sparked a relationship where Paul and I then spent the next six years yeah. connected, walking together, growing together, learning and growing together. And then I'm amazed because we go through this whole season of looking for the next student ministries pastor and looking for who God has. And I remember getting in front of our deacons uh, where no one had, you know, come forward. We looked at all the resumes, over 50 of them. And I said, guys, the person that we're looking for must be a lot farther or a lot closer than we think. So if no one comes forward and we don't have a name uh, in a certain period of time, we're going to do a national search. And it was within that time that separately, without me knowing, God was speaking to Paul about him approaching us and, and, and applying to be a part of this ministry. The person God was raising up was a lot closer than we'd ever imagined. I'd already run a journey with him and had no idea. That's how God works, church. You see that? Yeah. How God can work, but wow. it's about that proximity, about people being close. God was doing the same thing in the book of Numbers, chapter 18. God says, uh, Moses says, God, raise up a leader. And God says, the leader you're looking for is a lot closer than you could ever imagine. Look what he says in, number, in, in chapter uh, 27, verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, okay, you need a leader? Then take Joshua, the son of Nun, the man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. He says, take Joshua, the son of Nun. This is someone that had walked closely, had walked closely and walked a journey with Moses. So Paul, why don't you tell us some more about Joshua? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, I love Joshua and Joshua's story, and I, I think it's important, and that's, that's a great point, Pastor Chris, because I think it's important to point out that Joshua's story didn't begin with his call to lead. It began with his, his call to serve. The first place we read of Joshua is, is in Exodus chapter 17, as Moses is charging him with the responsibility of choosing men to fight against the Amalekites in the wilderness. And from then on, we read of Joshua as Moses' assistant, or aid. So he's showing up at all of these pivotal and key moments in Israel's journey throughout the wilderness. I mean, if you look at uh, Exodus chapter 24 in verse 13, you see that Joshua was present at Moses' highest point as he's going up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. And so he's there for that experience. But then if you go a little bit further in Exodus chapter 32, you see that Moses, uh, Joshua is actually present at one of Moses' lowest point in his leadership as he's coming down from the mountain to find that the people had built an idol that were, they were worshiping. And whenever Moses was were selecting uh, men to go into the land to spy it out, to see what the land was like, Joshua was one of those. 
And so in the same way that Moses was being uh, used to raise up the next leader without even knowing it, because of his availability, because he was there, Joshua was being raised up by Moses to lead next without even knowing it. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it really is amazing. And Pastor Chris, I, I think that there's, there's more in this that yeah. we can learn from. Well, I think one of the things that's amazing, Paul, is in, in the same way that when we walk together, we see that the person that's being raised up may not even know it. And the person that's raising them up, preparing to hand the baton over, they have no idea. This is how yeah. it worked in our story. Pastor Brennan had no idea when he called me 10 years ago. Come on, somebody. When I'm sitting there as a, fre- as, a, as a junior at Valley Forge Christian College, he had no idea. He was just being obedient in the moment to what God put on his heart. When we're yeah. obedient in those moments, watch what God does. We have no idea what he's setting up in the background. And this is what's happening in Moses' story with Joshua. They're going through these ups and these downs. And I think that's the importance of what it teaches us about this, this kind of relationship that needs to develop. We need to have people close to us. I want you to know as you are running after the things of God, there needs to be someone that you're raising up next to you that's a few steps behind you in the journey that you can teach where you've been to them I think sometimes we think man I mentor disciples so I can never do that I don't know everything look at my life it isn't perfect your life doesn't have to be perfect you know what I've learned is that people the next generation they need to see the people of God how they live out their faith they're not just like learning about the things of God and, and sitting in a classroom. It's them seeing, how does your faith work under fire? How does it work when you're in a career that you're not feeling satisfied in? How can it work when you feel like you're being, pers- like what's your faith look like under fire? They need to learn those lessons. Those are the lessons that Joshua learned. He saw Moses at his highest highs and his lowest lows and what he was gleaning from. He wasn't always learning from the good things Moses did, but he was learning from his life. Are you willing to just be a couple steps ahead, not having everything figured out and say, hey, would you follow me? as I follow Christ. Amen. That's what God's calling. That's what he's calling us to do, to raise up a generation that will go further, that will begin to love the church. Paul, you remember this. We were running, and, and the lessons we learned, it started out with learning about sermon prep and <laughs> those kind of things, but it ended and continued with sitting over meals and talking yeah. about life and talking about those things, yeah. learning uh, and growing. Uh, and me, when I was a young couple, or young parents, and, and you beginning to learn as you were dating and coming into your marriage season. Yeah. You remember some of those things. No, absolutely. And I think those are the things, Pastor Chris, that I remember uh, the most. Is, is, is not the moments where we're sitting and laboring over passages and ideas for, for sermon prep, but it was the moments where we were just doing life together. Whether we were driving around or, or having lunch and you would share your next exciting idea with me and we would just be excited together about it or I would share my next biggest problem with you and you would give me some insight about it. And I think those moments were some of the most formative and shaping uh, moments for me as we journeyed together. God's calling this generation to walk next to the next generation, to run alongside of them, church. Amen? Can you see it? Can you see the power? This is, you can't be in the passing zone. Both generations need to be there. Both legs of the journey must be present for that to work. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a look here because I believe that there are some specific charges, some specific things that we can do in each generation. The generation that be in a place where you are passing, you're handing off the baton of faith, and also for those that are going to receive it. But let's start with those that are preparing to pass that. And I I believe in every point in our lives we're going to come to a place or multiple places where we're being called to raise up and to hand off to the next generation we learn this uh, in another passage that we're reading for this week in Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 28 Moses is talking about this moment that he has with the Lord in Numbers 27 he's reflecting on that and here's what he said the Lord said to him this is the Lord speaking to Moses but charge Joshua 
and encourage and strengthen him. For he shall go over at the head of his people and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. Here's what God's telling to him. You need to prepare Joshua because Joshua's gonna go further than you've ever gone. I want you to know something today. It starts in our generation to know to come to terms with, and then to celebrate the fact that this generation is going to take land that maybe you and I have never seen. We have to be content knowing that our race, where our race is, and that they can go further than we've ever imagined. And for us to be excited and to celebrate that. And so part of that starts with these three words, I believe. Charge, encourage, and strengthen. The very words that were given to Moses on what he was to do for Joshua. I believe, church, we must be ready to do that for our next generation. So what do these words mean? What does it mean to charge someone? Does it mean just to tell them? No, it means so much more than that, doesn't it? Here's, here's, what, I've, here's what I've learned of what charging means. When I have this little device here, and then I can't dial out anymore because there's this little red emblem that makes it impossible for it to turn on. You know what I'm talking about? The power is gone. It's done. What I need to do to charge it is I am empowering it to fulfill its purpose. Mm. What are we doing when we're charging the next generation? What are we doing? We're empowering them to fulfill their purpose. Come on, somebody. We are empowering them to fulfill their purpose. First service got it right there. They caught that, okay? They caught that one. That's the only reason I got so passionate because they caught that. It's all about that, church. We have to be willing to empower them, to hand off to raise up, to hand off, and to let them fulfill the purpose that God has for them. God has a purpose for every generation. And church, I want you to know that it's for us then to raise up, to empower them, and to hand it off. This is what God said to Moses in Numbers 27, verse 20. He said this, you shall put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. This is it. Charge him. Empower him. Release it to him. Let him run and run in the calling that I have for him. Now, some of you, you know what this feels like because it can get a little scary. But if I hand it over, it may not be the way that I like it anymore. Hold on, hold on. I, I don't know if I want to hand the baton over because the volume's going to turn up. Come on, somebody. The songs are going to sound the way I want them to sound. So, oh, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. <laughs> It's not going to look the same. It's not going to feel the same. There's not, like, not going to, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to look, guess what? We don't look today like we did in 19, yeah, yeah. 1910. It won't look 20, 30 years from now. But here's what we know. As long as the same gospel is being preached, as long as Jesus Christ is there leading up and raising up every generation, pouring into them. But it requires that. And I want you to know if we don't, we can run outside that passing zone. And guess what? We can miss it. We can miss the passing zone altogether. We can stand there, we can turn around, there won't be a generation to pass it over to. Mm. Church, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be of that generation. We're going to see a generation that's going to go further, faster. It's going to go further than we've ever gone before. We need to encourage them. When we hand it off, we don't stand back and critique it. We encourage them, and as they run, we say, go further. Run after the promises of God. We're there. Stay in the lane. Move. You got it. We cheer them on to victory and what God has for them. We speak blessing over them and into the promises that God has for their life, and we strengthen them. To strengthen means we're willing to walk a journey with them. They won't get there on their own. They need to learn from our lives. They need to learn from our journey. They need to be strengthened by allowing them close enough in our proximity and being available to them that they could walk with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Paul, talk to us about how the Joshua's of this generation can be ready. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in the same way, Pastor Chris, that a generation needs to be prepared to hand this baton off. Our generation needs to be prepared to receive this baton. 
This, 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 isn't, this isn't a light baton. This is the baton of legacy. This is from the beginning of time. This is heavy. This is heavy. And so in the same way that Joshua's story didn't begin with a call to lead, but instead a call to serve, our, our story needs to begin the same way if we ever hope to carry this baton all the way to the finish line. Because it's a hard race to run. And here's, here's something that I think it's, it's important that we get. Great athletes don't start in championship games, do they? Great, great artists, they don't start at Grammy performances, do they? No. They start in the training. They start in the areas that no one looks. They start in the areas that are hardest, that are almost always invisible to the public, that no one can see, that everyone feels it's a little overlooked, but that's where the training takes place. That's where the development takes place. That's where endurance is built so that when it gets tough, when things start to, to go crazy and, the, and this race gets hard and you begin to get a little winded, you have the endurance to keep going because you put time in being trained and being developed. And this is something we have to learn. We can't, we can't be of, uh, unwilling to take the baton because it's, it's, not, it's not the color we like. It's like, you know, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't quite, this isn't what I wanted, Pastor Chris. I, I, I wanted this one. I, this is where I want it to be. This is, this is the position I want. We can't be in that place. And here's, here's uh, just a part of Joshua's story that I think speaks to us on this. It says in Exodus 33, verse 11, that Moses would speak to the Lord face to face as a friend speaks to, uh, as uh, one speaks to a friend. Sorry, and uh, Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, would remain at the tent. Joshua didn't leave the tent. And when I first read that, I thought Joshua was just in love with the, the presence of God. Like he just wants to stay there. And I think that's a part of it. But as you study this passage, what you learn is that Joshua's actually an attendant. He, he, is, he is a custodian almost to the tent of meetings. And so as Moses is there and he's having these face-to-face encounters with God, Joshua would be right outside. And he'd be able to, to almost just, just feel what's happening there. How transformative must that experience have been? But he was only able to be there because of his willingness to serve in that capacity. And here's what I know is if we don't get to a place where we're just saying, God, you know, wherever you want me, however you want me to serve, Lord, I am your hands. I am your feet. God, if you want me to serve over here, I'm going. If you want me to go there, I'm going. God, wherever you want me, I'm going to walk that out because I'm going to take this baton to the finish line. And so, God, if this is the lane you've called me to, I'm going to carry this. But it starts, it starts there. And as we look at Joshua's life, as we look at his legacy, his life can be uh, summarized in these three words, right? For, for the Joshua's here, these three words, obedience, humility, and faithfulness. Obedience to God, humility to serve, and faithfulness, faithfulness to endure. And this, this, is, this is why we've made it a burden on our heart to see this generation love the church and not leave the church. Because when we succeed at this, church, when we succeed at helping the next generation to love the church and not leave the church, then we will be in a position to actually empower them to lead the church and not leave the church. But I'm telling you that that is not possible. It's not possible 
without starting, without being in that place of service, without that proximity of being here, being around a Moses that would walk with us. And we have a video today that we'd like to show you of one of our very own young adults whose story I believe is reflective of this and everything that God wants to do in this generation. Let's take a look at this video. Hey church, my name's Andre Brito and I'm one of the worship team members here at Evangel Church. I'm also the worship director for the Young Adults Ministry. I've been a part of the church about 10, 15 years now and I've been far from it for most of that time. Uh, I was part of the youth group back in high school and around my senior year, I kind of had a falling out and started separating myself. And it's really easy to stay away from church when you're a college kid working 40 hours a week and you try to find any excuse you can to stay in bed instead of coming to church. And it, it seemed pretty easy because when I did come, nobody would really reach out or talk to me or ask me how I've been for the past six years. For most of my college time, I, I spent most of it trying to make it in the music industry. I had a band that I was pretty confident in and we had some attention from labels, but what just happens in life is things don't work out the way you want them to. It hit me pretty hard around uh, January of last year. And that's when uh, I reached out to a friend and they told me to come try out for Evangel's worship team because I just really wanted to play music. I got on and I got scheduled a lot and I'm so grateful for Pastor Rick for you know scheduling me every week and really just pouring into me. Even when I, I didn't really want to be poured into, I just wanted to play. And it hit me really hard around my birthday last year and I started having these really tough bouts of anxiety and I just started diving into the word to kind of combat this because I knew it was attacks on the enemy because I was getting closer to God. And he put this really incredible word on my life and it was, you came to this church for yourself, Andre, but you're gonna stay for me. And that's when I really realized how important that I had people pouring into me like Pastor Rick, it just was amazing. This January, I was given the uh, position of worship director for the Young Adults Ministry. And just to think a year after my audition, I'm in a position where I can reach the exact same people who are in the position I was in a year ago. It's amazing what God can do when you make yourself available. And I'm just so grateful to have the people and the team around me that I have today. Amen. Church, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about seeing the next generation go further. It's about being willing to walk alongside of someone. It's being willing to realize that this baton that I've been handed isn't one that I'm, I'm going to run across the finish line with, but I'm just going to run in such a way that I could hand it to them until we see the Lord face to face. We don't have a guarantee of when the finish line is, so we're just going to keep running with everything we have and keep passing until we reach that place one day and see the Lord. This is the enduring legacy of what happens. In Joshua's day, this is what's said of his generation. And we speak that over our generation today, that Israel served the Lord throughout the entire lifetime of Joshua and all the elders who outlived him. And they experienced that it experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. That there was a whole generation that went further than Moses and his generation could have ever imagined because they succeeded in the passing zone. They succeeded in that time where they're going to hand it to the next generation church. Are we going to be that church? We're going to be that church that raises up the next generation to go further than we've ever gone before. Amen? Amen. Amen. What that means then is I want us all to stand to our feet this morning because we're going to take part in that, in responding to that very call. I want to invite everyone that you're a part of that next generation right now and you're within the sound of my voice. If you are between 7th grade or even 6th grade or younger, if you're here, you can come up. But if you're between 7th grade to 29 years old, you're a part of that next generation. I want you to come right out of your seats right now and I want you to come and stand all across this, 
this platform here, all across this, for, uh, this altar space, and just spread out all the way down. Come on, as far as, as far as we can go here in church, come on, as they come, this is our next generation. This, those are a part of that group. Amen. Come on, keep going down this way, guys. Keep Amen. spreading out on all around. Amen. I'm going to do something a little different than I've done last time. If I have any of my deacons, any of my elders, any of my pastors and staff members, would you just come up behind them as they're here? Any of you, I want you just to come up behind them. Amen. And then this time, what they're going to do is you're stepping forward. What we're going to do is we're just going to do what God's word said. This is what God told Moses to do, is to lay hands on them and then just to anoint them and commission them to go into the work that God has for them. Because something powerful is going to happen, church. I want you to watch this right here. This is what happens. We're running a journey. But as we run that journey, we're going to hand it to the next generation. Yeah, and they're going to run, and they're going to hand it to another generation. And they're going to keep handing it down until we see Jesus face to face again. So church, let's bless this next generation. Let's charge them. Let's encourage them. Let's strengthen them. Let's walk beside them. Let's pour into them. So here's what you could do right now, church. Just extend your hands toward them right now. And I want you, next generation, just begin to hold your arms up before the Lord right now. Just receive from the Lord. Not just our blessing and our affirmation, but the anointing of God for you to walk and not apart from Him, for you to have a love for not just Him, but for gathering together as a part of His body. So, Lord Jesus, we come before you right now, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing over this next generation, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, even as this next generation is passing a baton down the line, Lord God. Lord, you're passing, you're anointing, your power over their lives, Lord God. That they'll be a part of the race that you have for them. That they won't depart from you, Lord God. That they'll love you and serve you all the days of their life, Lord God. And as much as it's in our power, Lord God, we pray as this generation, Lord God, you're anointing to fall on them, Lord God. That they would grow, Lord God, to love the church, not leave the church, Lord God. That they grow more in love with you every day of their life, Lord God. Lord God, surround them now with people, Lord God. Just as they're surrounded by our leadership, Lord, surround them by leaders and by people who will pour into them, who will love them, who will teach them the ways of Christ, who will pour into them and show them what it means to have a godly marriage, who will show them what it means to live their life with purity, to show them what it likes to live their life, Lord God, living unto you. So, Lord God, put your calling on them, we pray, Lord God. Keep them close to you. And, Lord God, may they feel our charge. May they feel our encouragement, Lord God. May they be strengthened in this house to love the church and not leave the church, but to go forward and lead the church one day until you return. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said amen and amen and amen. <clears throat> amen. God is so good, church. I want to tell you that as we go from here, some of you, God's calling you to serve this next generation. He's putting it on your heart even now. If you have felt that sensing that you might want to be a part of pouring into the next generation, stop out at one of those tables as you leave today. Uh, Paul and the, the team is going to be out there. They got the, the uh, young adults and the youth out there. Go out, let them know, and be a part of pouring into this next generation. Amen? Uh, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to go into a time of worship. We're going to respond to what God's been doing. If you need prayer, if you want to come forward, you can come forward. If not, God bless you. Stop out in the foyer and get connected. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.